I've been doing this podcast long enough that you've heard me refer to people as close friends. Then I imagine you listening and thinking, how come she doesn't know this or that about her friend? I guess I should redefine what I mean by friend. I define a friend as someone I've been in the foxhole with at some point in my life. Someone who has been right next to me when something shitty or completely awesome, but mostly shitty, has happened. I don't see my sisters that often, but we've been in the foxhole. We understand. Today you'll hear my conversation with Brian Jackson. Brian and I worked together in 2003 and or 2004 and or 2005. I can't really remember. Very hazy memories. Uh, We had many shifts together and really liked to up the ante together. He was my playmate for good or for bad. Good for us, bad for the customer. I haven't seen him much since he moved away in 2006. I thought I'd catch up with him via podcast. It's a rainy day and we're sitting upstairs out of the rain at Vivace 321, a.k.a. The Cart. We're unsure as to whether that is a good or bad thing, given the memories that it stirs. Uh, So I hope you enjoy me catching up with my friend Brian. Next stop, Capitol Hill Station. Can I get a deluxe fries, a medium Coke, and two ketchups, please? Deluxe fries, medium Coke, two ketchups. Crossing Broadway. Block sign is on. Crossing Broadway. So we're upstairs. It's kind of funny because mm-hmm. it's raining outside, so we couldn't do an outside interview. Well, it's not an interview. It's just a conversation. Mm-hmm. So it's raining outside. So we happen to be in, I don't know if it's the best or worst place that we, can, we could possibly be. Is it the best or worst? It's a It lo- certainly hasn't changed. Yeah. So. And it's emotional. There's mm-hmm. a lot of things. That, have you ever had sex up here? Tell the truth. No. Okay. A lot of vivace baristi have. Is baristi. <laughs> stop. You yeah. know, at that time, I feel like the roasteria offered people more freedom. Oh, wait. And more comfort. So, oh, so you have in there. I mean, for people in general. For, for people. Oh, just people, not yeah, you. Yeah, this is not a confessional. This is not. It is, actually. Is it? I'm going to get some stuff mm. out of you. All right. It's just going to be no good. It's going to be no fun if I don't get something out of you. <laughs> Um, so you have had sex on the roasteria. You're like a Martha Raditz right now. You're just like going in for the kill, aren't you? <laughs> I just, just need to know. No, I haven't. Okay. No. All right. Um, I've had sex in public places. I, well, I don't. Of course you have. But, but that was pre-YouTube, right? Yes. No. Okay. And post. Really? When did YouTube start? 2006? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. It's funny because <laughs> the rules have changed. The rules have changed in a lot of different ways. Because of YouTube like digital transparency yes you can't do this can you imagine some of the things that we did if iphones were around i mean okay for Mm. example i remember one time specifically Mm -hmm. that really cracked me up something that you used to do that i thought was hilarious was Mm -hmm. you would pull your pants down to your ankles and you'd be behind the pastry case in the roasteria and you'd take you'd say (laughs) 
<laughs> you'd say, what, what can I get for you? And you'd just straight face take somebody's order, but they couldn't see you from the waist down. And you'd move along the line, and you'd do the whole thing. And you would just stand there with your pants around your ankles. I can imagine myself doing that. But you can't remember? And it's not a cop-out. This is actually... So I have a lot of stories that people tell me uh-huh. and remind me of. And I'm like, that's hilarious. That sounds like something I would totally... Like, you know, you did it. You did like, it. But, oh, all right. Okay. I was there. Sure, sure, sure. I was there. It was awesome. <laughs> It was funny. I liked it. And, you know, you, know, you have very nice legs, too. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, first of all, I want to establish when we met, because I think it was 2003 or four. See, that was a very hazy decade for me. Because you were snorting cocaine? <laughs> Amongst, was I? Yeah, with Christy. Oh, good God. <laughs> oh, boy. The, yeah. in the Marianne Manor days. Uh, wait, what yeah. was the Marianne Manor? Oh, yes. Right. Yes. Right. I remember. Yes. Yes. Nagel Place. I do remember. Yes. I, yes. It was like uh, Melrose Place in that building. It really was. And there was like Freddie from Set TM that would just be having loud sex all the time. <laughs> there was the naked drug dealer cat owner in the basement that his cat got out and I returned it to him and he opened his door wearing like those kind of like uh, never nude shorts. Oh, yeah. 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 Delightful. Mm-hmm. Mm, attractive mm. on anyone. Beauty. A real beauty. Yeah, th- that's... that. that I, I forgot that all... That building, yeah. And I lived in that haunted apartment on the first floor. And um, Aaron Holbert lived on the third floor. And oh, I my God. went and stayed with her a few nights because I was so freaked out by that apartment. And I have it. architectural amnesia because I can't remember the things that get torn down. But now that you're bringing back that time, I can totally see that building. Because mm-hmm. we did a lot of things in that building. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. It's um so Google Maps started driving around in I think like 2007. Uh-huh. Documenting all the, you know, streets and buildings and views and that. So you can go back to 2007 on most parts of Broadway and you can see like the old one-story QFC. Oh, you can? You can. And pre Jewel, pre Lyric pre-Madonna building, you know, it's like they weren't there yet. It was just this, you know, one level. It, it was when people were fighting, and it's funny, they were fighting for uh, uh, raising building height restrictions. Right. We must up go Sony. up. We got to go dense. We want to be Manhattan. And now right. that it's happened, everyone's like, Oh, upzoning was a bad idea. What was I thinking? Mm-hmm. So. Because now you just have to tear down any one-story building. Mm-hmm. You have to, or you won't make any money. Mm-hmm. So there it is it's just completely it causes such mixed feelings for everybody i'm trying to just go with the flow and not get mad about change because i don't want to be one of those older people where it's like man that used to be really great when that was burnt because it's like it's a it's a never-ending battle of mm-hmm. nostalgia you know for sure i try not to look back too much to be like overly nostalgic because i think being overly nostalgic is actually one of my my uh, a bad trait for me mm-hmm. um do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like just, yeah. It's warm and fuzzy, and it's hard to, like, step out of that, you know? Yeah. And I don't know, but there are people that are, um, you know, really making a voice about the change, and I appreciate that. And my my take on it is I try not to – I try not to be complacent, but I also don't want to complain about it any more because I'm tired of doing that. It's not just Seattle. It's every city I've lived in. Right. Every city has gone through this. Major metamorphosis. It's like all these suburbanites are suddenly like, oh, yeah, you know, the mall's like, all right, but the city's cool. 
And so they all kind of came back in and then they're just kind of taking over. Just a sec. Mm. Just had to make sure that. Walk sign is on. <laughs> Crossing <laughs> Broadway. <laughs> you listen. I, I do. You listen to my. You listen to my podcast. But, um, uh, one of my pals, Rosie, has this tattoo um, under her in her armpit, uh-huh. and it's just a little type tattoo that says "Don't sweat the small stuff." And I think that's just such a lovely little reminder. Is it? it do you feel? Like, how old are you? You said you're 36 now, right? I said that. You said that. And, yes. And do you believe that? It's in that? fact true. Uh, it is true. It's confirmed. Okay. My birth certificate um, says so. <laughs> are you happier than you were when you were in your 20s? Gosh. Happiness. <laughs> I mean, I know that's a weird word. Like, more content or... I mean, I have a lot of ebbs and flows with that. And yeah. I think that actually in this year, I really, like, put all my eggs in my basket of happiness. And it's been working. You know? When Like, are you talking about career goals or personal goals? Or what are you talking about? Like achievement goals like i i've gotten serious about actually making goals and um vocalizing them writing them down and being like if i don't do that then i won't make progress toward them and you know i'm I'm not like a person that would go to you know the bookstore self-help section and read all that psychobabble but there are tidbits you can create for yourself and create your own little philosophies and part of mine was yeah i want to you know I, I've had many different careers. I went in a new direction after finishing up the design program at Central a year right. and a half ago. Great. So career-wise, when like things fell into place, I'm doing very well. I love the. Where do you work? I work at a company called Human Incorporated. And you are a graphic artist. Is that what you do? Um, I began as a user interface designer. So okay. they brought me on because I had some pieces in my portfolio that were audio related, and mm-hmm. I you know did a mock-up of. Uh, playlist sharing app and they're interested in that and so they brought me on to design their app which is you know corresponds to some wireless audio equipment that we're developing oh cool and so my jobs really just kind of evolved into the needs you know it's a startup so it's growing it's becoming a small company and i'm kind of a jack of all trades right and i moved more into ux design user experience design and Uh Um, now I'm moving kind of into product design and a user experience designer for the that's product. That's kind of cool. So it kind of morphs and changes I mean, and grows. That sounds well. And this is not blowing smoke up your ass, but you. Have, I don't mind that though. I, I uh, but y- you have excellent taste. I've always, oh. always Thank you. thought of you as having. Like if I showed you any two things sure. and said, which one of these is. You that know, one. cooler or beautiful, you would know instantly. Yeah. You just have this. You're just one of those people that you just have a um, a great aesthetic. It's completely unique to you, and Thank it you. borrows from a lot of different. It's not any one particular style, and you're, you know, you, you, it's a talent. You just have a real talent for it, and so it, it's of course it's the obvious choice that you should go into design. Thank you. Yeah. You, you know, and I think everyone should just. Try and play to your strengths because I definitely know things that I I'm not capable and I'm, you know I'm just not good at. I just can't do it. Yeah. But back when I met you, 
you um we were at very transitionally what transitory i don't know what the word is times in our lives like we w we didn't know what the fuck we were doing right right you didn't right. know what i i didn't know what you know christy for, for of course did not know what she was doing you know <laughs> you know like there was um we were a basket of deplorables we, we were <laughs> the the stuff the stuff i wow we didn't know what we were doing, and I was in a major grief state because the love of my life had totally left me. And then I was 36 and had to come back to Vivachi with my tail between my legs, having failed. You that know, was like, a big issue for you. Like, oh my God, I was so you wore it I was on your so sleeve. I was so humiliated. I'm like, yes, Amy, I know you're 36. When are you 37? Yeah, I was so humiliated. <laughs> I was so humiliated. It was awful. It it's hard. It's yeah. hard because. Sometimes when you go back to it, it's like moving back home. Yeah. You're like, I know this exists. I know I'm welcome here and I can come back at any time. But at the same time, I feel like I'm moving in the opposite no, direction. No, I felt, I do. Goals. I felt like I moved back into my parents' basement is basically what happened. Yeah. You know, and, and that grief kind of just shot out in all kinds of directions. One of them being that Halloween party. <laughs> but, well, that was fun. But I don't know if you're like aware of this. And I, I think of you as like, like a mentor in a lot of ways. Oh, like, thank you. Um, like a, a mentor will, you know, insert their advice and their guidance when, you know, solicited. But like, you you had a very interesting outlook on the world and like your own personal sets of justices. And I remember writing some favorable emails about situations for you, <laughs> um, based on some of the behavior that we um, pulled out of each other <laughs> but yeah we had a i think we egg well we definitely egged each other we wanted on. to see who would take it further yes not and it's very hard to, like mm -hmm. to try to pinpoint exactly there's That's a lot of reasons I, I had to get out of service i felt like a servant yeah and there's a difference yeah and there's a difference it's the way you're you know it's the way people interpret you it's the way they they treat you and, and it's not everybody. I had a lot of great experiences. And all the restaurants I worked in, I had a lot of great experience, a lot of great customers and people I still have you know, relationships with. But there becomes a point where there's this, this balance, this kind of cultural shift where um, you, you get treated like dirt a little too often. Or you, you are spoken to in a completely condescending way that has nothing to do with you personally, but you understand it's because of the position that you're in. Oh. Yeah. And you're not allowed to defend yourself. Oh my God. You're not allowed to speak up, you know, and and after a certain point, it's just exhausting. And I think that's why a lot of us in front of house and, you know, in other types of service related fields drink a lot or go to bars a lot or decompress a lot after work, go to mm -hmm. cafe press until 2 a.m. drinking like pitchers of wine and, you know, developing other problems because we don't know how to properly manage all the abuse that's you know, put upon us. And I'm not saying that there's two V words I hate. Yes. Well, yeah, two. <laughs> you know, one is victim. Uh-huh. Because when you can forgive people and move on, you stop being a victim. Right. And the other is vulnerable. It's right. like, I, I don't, I, I think it's fine to be vulnerable. I think people should be vulnerable. Right. But that's called being honest. And people toss around, they're being so vulnerable and that's so admirable. As though there should be like a Golden Globes party for people that are vulnerable. And it's like, just be strong, just be you. Just, but yeah, be honest. It's the I didn't way want to be a victim, and I didn't want people to take my power away from me. Yes. You 
I don't know if you listened to the last um, podcast I did with Gus and um, Le- we were Leo who and, and Teal. Teal. Yeah, and we, mm-hmm. and we were talking about some of this. This um, and I couldn't. Yeah, I mean, I, I listened to half of it and I got really bored and turned it off. But uh-huh. you know, I'm just <laughs> 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 but mm-hmm. but you there's something about you mm-hmm. that I could identify with. You know, like you had an anger in you and a resentment toward that thing that we're talking about, about mm-hmm. being a servant. Now, a lot of people would say to me, like, Amy, come on. It's all in your head. They didn't do that. They didn't. It's like, yeah, they did. There's subtle cues that you also pick up growing up and walking through life and, you know, always being some sort of minority. Like, you're more aware of it in your day to day. So, you know, like hearing my dad being called boy or something like that, you know, Uh toward like a black man is, you know, it's wrong and you don't really understand it when you're a kid, you know, but it's this. It, it's subtle. Your dad's being disrespected. It's yeah. It's like so. Just to clarify, your dad's black and your mom's white. Correct. Okay, so you're you're seeing your dad get dissed over and over, right? Certainly. Is that what you're, and then yeah, so that it, it's compounds. You're just aware of it. It's part yeah. of your, it's part of your consciousness. You know, mm-hmm. every day, and that's hard to explain to someone. So when people are able to easily dismiss it, it's because it's not because they can't relate or. Um, they're not capable of relating. It's just not part of their experience. So they want to see the, they want to assume the better of people and be like, right. that can't be, no, I think you're looking at this in a negative light. And they just don't want to accept it because it's easier to deny it than to admit that like, you know, there's a problem. So it's uh, <clears throat> one of the biggest changes for me in my, in my life is mm-hmm. I, I'm, I give people the benefit of the doubt now. Mm-hmm. I did not do mm-hmm. that. And my life is better because of it, but I don't feel like I could give them the benefit of the doubt back then because I felt like I was just being shot at all the time. I was more irritated about like, I thought it was so simple to stay in a line, to stand in a line, to you know, give your order, to be a human and interact with me as another human being. And there's just so many people that would blatantly just kind of disrespect that or just not understand it, and I would get mad at them. But I just didn't understand that they don't get it. They're just one of those people that have never worked in this kind of field, so they just don't get it. They don't have any sort of compass on what the social norms are for this transaction. Yeah, and we really did... I mean, I always... The, the irony of it is I really like people. Yeah. And, and I, but I like playing with people. Mm-hmm. Not, and that's not mm-hmm. necessarily bad. I mean, playing fun. Fun playing. Like, I throw something at you, and then you throw it at me, and then we're exchanging, <laughs> and we're having a good time. And, you know, like, there were a lot of customers that got it. And right. we had a lot of right. laughs. A Absolutely. lot of laughs. Good ones. Absolutely. Um, but when someone, you know, won't even acknowledge your existence. And now, I mean, God, can you imagine if there was, like, iPhones and you know smartphones back then Ugh. we'd really never get to, to connect with anybody and that would be um, oh my god I would hate that so much yeah oh, I hate it so much when, when did you when was the last service job that you had the last service job was at um, I was working at market so Ethan Stoll restaurant in Tangletown where's Tangletown Tangletown is like Green Lake you know where the Elysian brewery is Probably that Tangle sounds like Tangletown. Yes. I haven't even heard that term, but I but I yes. can see it because of the way all the um, streets come together mm-hmm. in the tangle right there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And how long ago was that? So I left. Let's see. I left there in 
July of last year. And how was your customer service skills at that time? How it was, was good. I was happy. Good? I mean, I, I knew that that was going to be like my last serving job for a little while. Uh-huh. Honestly, I liked serving and I liked bartending. Um, and that place was compact and small and full of good regulars. So it was very familial. Um, so I enjoyed it. But like, I was also in school for like the 20th time. So it was exhausting. It's like I was working, you know, nights and, you know, the... The shifts are a little long, and you, you know you get off, and it's 11:30, 12. You know you go home, unwind. I get up, I go to class from like nine to four, and it, it's, it's just a lot, you know. And shifting gears from something very cerebral to, you know, dealing with people's neuroses, you know. Yeah. So. <clears throat> and and you bartended as well. That's mm-hmm. a that's kind of a crazy gig. It, you know, you, you learn to you, you learn to like finesse situations a little bit better. But because dealing with drunks is hard. I didn't work at bars per se, like so I didn't. They weren't drunk, drunk. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You know, it was more sit down dining experiences. Okay. Okay. It's cocktailing, but it's not dealing with like uh, a lot of immaturity because you know people behave a little bit differently in a when they're restaurant dining. setting. Yes. So. Huh. Yeah. So I enjoyed that. Um, but yeah, would I do it again? I miss it. I do miss it to some degree. I think that like, um, I just don't want to be dependent on it because part of my transition out of that too was um, the fact that like if you hurt yourself, right. you're completely dependent on your body to perform your job. There's, oh my God, yeah. There's no light duty in a restaurant. I can't, right. you know, I can't be a one-arm server. You know, I can't really wear a cast and write orders on it and carry you just can't you right. can't do that you have, to be, you have to be healthy i mean i've so many horror stories like this bartender that um cut his hands open because this glass exploded in his hands while he was like shaking it and uh. ripped tendons can't do that job anymore and also can't work during it and oh my god so you know there's a there's a lot of things that could happen that like you would just be sol in that sense what year did you leave vivace in 2006. Okay, 2006. And then you went to New York? I did, yeah. And you were there for how long? Um, until 2000, the end of 2012, I moved back here. Did you, going there, I mean, like, uh-huh. in your, you were in Brooklyn, right? Yes. Uh, okay. Yes. Um, did, did you get what you wanted from it? Was it as exciting as you wanted, and did you achieve, what did you want from it, first of all? Um, I, well, I wanted to work in music and stuff, and that was kind of right when Seattle was starting to change. Like, they they started tearing down blocks for no reason. Like, that whole stretch of, what was it? It was, like, King Cora and Man Man Ray. Oh, right. (laughs) And uh, the old Cha-Cha. Right. All that. Like, they they leveled that, and I'm like, bye, Seattle. Like, I don't understand why this is happening. And they build a condo and put the Man Ray white rectangles on it, the garage, like, Look, we kept a part of the history. Yeah. So Seattle was changing. Uh-huh. I didn't want to accept it because growing up here, it's changed so slowly over the course of my growing up that seeing it rapidly change just kind of broke my heart a little. Sure. And I'd never left, really, you know? Yeah, I mean, you should go to New York when you're young because it's Absolutely. so tiring. Mm-hmm. I could not do it at my age. I, I would be too tired. Even thinking about going back, there's a temptation, but I'm there's so many hungry 20-somethings. They're like, I want to be a... You know, there, it, it's a lot of... It's constant competition and just constant stimulation. And seeing my friends that have been there a while, it changes like their psyche a little. They're in a good or bad way. It depends on the person, but they're all a little bit less tolerant 
and a little bit more on edge and a little bit more prone to complaining and like bitching and moaning about things that don't really matter. Is it hard there? This some place like New York and of mm-hmm. course LA two people could be of equal um, talent mm-hmm. and then one person can kind of hit the jackpot yep. and the other one might not yeah. and there can be a lot of it's it, that can be hard the jealousies this and that did you did you did you have to experience any of that when you were living in Brooklyn I mean totally it, people People want to see that you're striving for something there. Like in every job I worked at that was, you know, either a barista or serving, it was like, so what do you really do? Right. Or what else do you do? What do you do outside of here? What's your... That's always the question in LA too. Yeah. Yeah. What's your P word? What's your passion? Right. And it's just like, I, you know what? I'm just making coffee right now and I want to go record shopping when I get off. And that's about all I plan for my life right now. (laughs) And I'm okay with that. But, but people go to New York for a purpose because it's really would be a hard place to live without a purpose mm-hmm. i would think i like the energy like i had visited and i just fell in love with the energy and the architecture and how like i was like there's so many more brown people here oh yeah <laughs> you know yeah. and i yeah <laughs> so it was more of just like a feeling for me you know sure it's a little it's a little bit more squishy you know it wasn't so objective at that point and plus the opportunity came up because I had a couple of friends that had moved out there two months before me. And I was like, that sounds like so much fun. And they're like, well, Chad needs a roommate. He's moving to Brooklyn. He can't afford his studio in Manhattan anymore. So I talked to him and I had an apartment before I moved there, mm-hmm. which is unheard of. <laughs> and I had a job before I moved there just through the coffee industry. So coffee actually afforded me the ability to move across the country several times. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I would have jobs before I'd get to places. And, like, my first job in New York was at 9th Street Espresso, and then they blew up in the Times a few months after I started working there, uh-huh. just making really good tips. And um, at that time, it was cash under the table, so I didn't, like, pay. Oh, know. Yeah. fantastic. It was amazing. Yeah. I'm, like, making Helen Mirren, Mirren a cappuccino, and I'm like, good luck at the Oscars, you know? And <laughs> it was just a very different experience. Like, you kind yeah. of feel like, you know, you're important and famous because of this proximity to famous people. And it's yeah. all kind of fake and weird. And you do the whole thing where you pretend like you don't know who they are. And like, right. Gwyneth Paltrow, would you I like some, I mean, uh, a yeah. random customer, would you like some sparkling water with yours? You know, and right. it's surreal. You know, I I have a very big anxiety about the, those, the, the last time I visited New York, do you remember Katie's old boyfriend, Maddie? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love him. Mm-hmm. And he was such the host, right? Mm-hmm. So he's in the, he pretty much never leaves the Lower East Side. And he, he's been doing stand-up comedy. You know, he's got uh, one of the guys that's on the Louis, the, the, the show, the Louis C.K. show, mm-hmm. is his, like, mentor. And he's done some comedy seller stuff. So he's totally into that stand-up comedy thing. But he's super popular. Because you know how cute, he's good-looking, and mm-hmm. he's really engaging and I felt like I was with the king of the neighborhood mm. when I walked around with him and he showed me around the Lower East Side like nobody's business and I feel like I but there was an anxiety in me because it's that anxiety of I can't grab 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 and have enough I want all of that all of that and I want it in me I want to eat all of this you know like um, 
it's just all so much. It was so much stimulation. It's like, oh, that's the cover of Physical Graffiti by, by Led Zeppelin. You know, you, <laughs> everywhere you go is like some famous thing. Every place you go is some famous place. Yeah. That's been in something. That's been in some movie or album cover. It goes on and on. And, and, but it also gives it a theme park feel. Hmm. Because I feel like at a time there was there was authenticity and there wasn't the knowing you were doing something cool. I don't know. I'm just going to imagine if you're Patty Smith or somebody like that. Sure. You're not sitting around going, I'm sitting in this place that I'm so aware of that is so this and that. You know, before people were so aware. But now every bit of New York has been picked over and picked over and, and everybody knows. It, it just has this self-awareness that is theme park-like. Right. And... It's I, too self-aware of itself. Yeah, it it's. The thing about that too is like when you're living there, uh-huh. just like you live in any place, you get into a routine. Mm-hmm. You know, like in Seattle, if you walk by, what is it like, 18th and John? Right. You know, you're not like, ooh, the Singles Building. I remember. You know what I mean? Like, right. There, right. there are definitely landmarks in every place, but like you get into your routine and it, it just begins to feel normal, and you stop thinking about those things and. You think about your train commute and how you're going to get to, you know, Carroll Gardens to meet this person or it just starts to feel more. There's more normalcy after a little while. But yes, and there is that sense of I feel like I'm in like some sort of theme park of itself and you stay away from those areas, you know. Oh, okay. Yeah, I just it 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 almost like assaults my senses. It's like too much. Mm -hmm. And also, I don't have enough money to do all the things that I want to do in New York. So then that makes it kind of a downer for me because I want to experience more than I'm, than I, my pocketbook will will allow, you know? For sure. And LA is like that too. It's like you're constantly seeing shit you can't afford. I just don't want to see it. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) I just don't want, I would rather like go from my apartment and then come get a cup of coffee and then go to the store and walk a dog and go to the park. I don't want to constantly yearn for, for something that I cannot have. Hmm. I think that there's a lot of people like you and like that want to live that life and do live that life there. I mean, I did to a certain extent, like it was a pretty lateral move. Like I mentioned before in the sense that my rent was $150 more monthly when I moved there than it was in Seattle. Uh-huh. Like, I made it work, you know? Uh-huh. And yeah, that's not that much more, considering. Yeah. And it's, it was enough to kind of spook me because I, you know, just, I, I didn't make a lot of money at all. And I was like, that's, that's you know, that's more money out of my pocket. And I'm still, you know, breasting. And so my income isn't going to double by moving that, you know? And Did you make really good friends there that you could trust? I did. I did. And I keep in touch with some of them still, but yes. Yes, absolutely. And I, I knew plenty of people from here that moved out there. So I I feel like I was, I was in good hands, like, socially. Because you, you're not a total loner. You need to have people that you trust in your life, right? You're in not small like, doses. Well, in small <laughs> doses, but you're not, like, you're not like Mr. I don't need anyone. No, and I don't want to be. Because right. it's important to me to be around people. Yeah. And be around friends and have, like, these relationships i still have i still have friends you know from like high school that i see regularly that are amazing people and haven't changed at all and are still just as fun and still have the same like wacky sense of humor that we all had then and, and you can just pick up where you where you left off kind of thing it's great for sure 
So you came back here in 2012, uh -huh. and it probably freaked you out again in a different way, or you did, did it make you feel sad, or um, what was the transition like? Well, I mean, I'd, bu I'd bounced around, so before that, like, I moved, I freaked out when I turned 30, that was like, I moved out of New York because I felt like a loser. <laughs> um, I did. I was like, "This sucks." I'm not. I, mean, I was wondering if that if that feeling got to you. It, yeah, absolutely. Because I does. feel like a loser in New York. It, I, totally. Yeah, I'm like you know, I have coffee soiled jeans, and I'm sitting on like a curb on my break, smoking a cigarette and just being dirty. You know, I'm like, and you know, like. Paz de la Huerta is like walking by me in some gown. She's like, can you zip out the back of my dress? And blah, blah. and she just was like this, you know, attention craving person that's super famous. And, you know, it's like you have these weird dichotomies of super rich and super poor and people just getting by. Most people there are just getting by. Right. You know, and it it's a little overwhelming when you actually face, you know, when you face it. When I, when I lived in L.A., I mm -hmm. lived. Um, I was walking my beautiful dog Laverne. You remember Laverne? Mm -hmm. I was walking Laverne, and this woman stopped, and she goes, "Oh, can I pet your dog?" And I was like, "Sure." Right. And then she was like, "Oh," and cooing and petting. It was Cameron Diaz. It was Cameron <laughs> Diaz. You know what I mean? But it, it was just that. <laughs> but it was just that funny, like LA moment where I don't. In a way, I don't like that because it fills me with anxiety. Not that I'm starstruck or you know i like camera diaz just fine i mean she's awesome but it it's weird you're not it, supposed to exist off screen you're not real you're Get not away supposed from to me. pet my dog <laughs> you know and and it's you can't i don't i couldn't feel like i could have a normal interaction with her that i normally do when people start cooing over my dog right because usually they're like oh you know, you start having a conversation, but then my immediate reaction is to not say a word, and then like, you know, bye. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. so it, it's very um, because in LA, of course, celebrities walk the street just as in New York. Celebrities, they're there. You run into them, and and I th I, I I think I told you at the time that I was at a a bar, <laughs> and um, and. Um, I'm sure you have a million stories like this as well, but I'm trying to kind of pick at something and get to the bottom of it. But I was at a bar, and it was with Kristen Malt, now Davis, and we were, um, I was standing next to somebody, and it was like starting to get busy in there. It was um, a gay, like a lesbian thing, bar, whatever. And, um, and then I looked to the right, and the person I'm pressing shoulders with, like physically my body's pressed against, is Ellen DeGeneres. <laughs> And so, and then I, and so I look, and then I, and then again, that thing where it was like, you know, sh she's drinking a Heineken or whatever, and I'm, uh -huh. I'm, I'm like, we turn and like nod, you oh know, God. like the nod or whatever. Yes. But, but it's just kind of like, and then I was just like, we gotta go. I said to Kristen, I'm like, I gotta get out of here because again, I, th these interactions, I don't enjoy them. Mm -hmm. They make me anxious. Because mm -hmm. I don't want to be around celebrities because I don't want to feel less than. And, wh and I don't know what's wrong, what's wrong with me that I do. I can't talk to them. What am I going to do? Strike up a conversation? Ugh. That would just be so dumb. It's awkward. You have nothing to talk about. It's no. like I know so much about you. You know nothing about me. And it just feels – so I, <laughs> I did – like, okay, so one situation like that. Um, I went to this – it was also a lesbian party. 
and uh-huh. it is in wait the, are we talking New York or in LA New York is on the Lower East Side off Delancey like right by the Williamsburg Bridge and okay. is this bar that had this beautiful rooftop and um oh what's what's her name? Queen Latifah Queen Latifah was there at the party because oh she God. is a somewhat closeted lesbian right right that we, I, yeah you know yeah we all know but the regular people don't know exactly yeah yeah kind of like what's the basketball player no sue I don't bird know. Uh, yeah. rumor has it so yeah, anyhow so rumor, yeah when people know Queen latifah's upstairs yeah. on the roof of this bar and everyone's like going gaga over her like just introducing themselves and stuff and there's also an outdoor bar um on the roof there uh-huh. So we were drinking like frozen margaritas or something cheesy uh-huh. and like one of those slushy Turner things, you know, and they had one of those slushy Turners full of fr- frozen margarita behind the bar. Right. So while everyone was distracted by Queen Latifah, my friend Charlie and I lean over the bar and start filling up our glasses and all of our friends' glasses <laughs> with frozen margaritas. And we're just like, mm-hmm. And like, <laughs> that it is was so a perfect distraction. <laughs> It's like, well, if all you all are concerned about her, I'm more concerned about getting a two for one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's so, kind of beautiful. Queen Latifah got me drunk. Oh, that's great, and <laughs> and that totally sums. I I always love those things about you because the, they're completely wild. You know, like you'll do those things that other people won't do. Most people won't steal a daiquiri. <laughs> I was more keep the lookout. I enjoyed the daiquiri afterward. So. <laughs> But, you know, no harm, no foul, right? But when you said that when you left New York and you kind of felt like a loser. Oh, yeah, totally. Like, those those things that I just told you, your Queen Latifah thing. Well, you know what I did? Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, I didn't. If I can't. So when I felt like a loser and I left New York, where did I go? Where? It was like the equivalent of, like breaking up with someone and like being like i'm gonna go sleep with your brother so i moved to san francisco <laughs> which to every new yorker is like <gasps> you know like they don't want to admit that like that would be a comparable place to exit new york from because it's just this dirty hippie city at that time you know so they they thought of it as a lesser than they looked down upon san francisco mm, i don't think it was so much lo- or I think a they're little a little jealousy? jealous a little, a little jealous, jealous because that city's a little edgier right and it's like oh you're leaving new york to go there that's that place is interesting and cool. I hate it. It's horrible. Okay. So there's that kind of vibe. But I feel like there at that time, like, you could you could live in San Francisco and you could run into someone who's, like, you know, 55 years old and going back to school to become a lawyer. Right. Or a judge. You know, they're like, I never did it when I was younger and I still have that goal. You know, and everyone's, like, kind of applauding them and saying, good for you. That's totally attainable. You should do what you want to do. There's that kind of energy there where people don't judge you in the same way, you know? There's more community. You can move up Get and ahead. down the social ladder more, you mean? Than the humanitarian ladder. Like, like if you're 55 in New York and you're trying to achieve something. You're you a know? total loser if you're 55 in New York and trying to achieve. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. That's how you're made to feel. That, yes. That's the culture. I understand. That, yeah. Yeah, that's terrible. But the, these, these, um, do, do you, do, a lot of people that I know that moved to New York, uh-huh. there's kind of an arc of the uh-huh. things that happen. They go, oh my God, I'm moving to New York. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, these are, they're usually, lo- you know, in their 20s or mm-hmm. whatever. And they, ab- like I said, they absolutely should mm-hmm. while they're young enough t- to take it. And um, and then I know on Facebook and stuff, it's just going to be like pictures of like the Williamsburg Bridge. Mm-hmm. They're going to be like, it's kind of like 
um, it, it, it turns into I'm sp I'm special because of proximity. Mm -hmm. I'm I have proximity to something that is special. Therefore, I am special. And the, you get those pictures for like three months. I just want to hear more real stuff that's happening to it's them. It's true. And it's funny. I feel like a little bit of a bubble burster because like last night um, on my way home, I walked by um, Spinoza and Artusi and I saw a friend that I worked with that was in there and she's like having her shift drink and I'm like, hey, what's going on with you? I stopped in to say hello. And she's like, I'm moving to New York. And I'm like, that's awesome. <laughs> you know, and I just kind of have like yeah. this, I'm like, right. you never know how much people have thought about it, And I don't want to burst their bubble. No, don't. Yeah. And then I start doing it. I catch myself because I'm like, have you, when are you moving? She's like, you know, I want to move as soon as I can. I can't wait. I'm like, save a lot of money. Like whatever you thought you should save, save 5,000 more. Right. Okay. <laughs> and, um, in, I, I don't know. And I shouldn't really give like unsolicited advice or. Right. And you don't want to be the bummer. I remember because yeah. I've worked in, because I, you know, started working in film mm -hmm. when I was young, and and L.A. is the place, you know. And I I went to L.A. when I was 30, so I was a little old to be going to L.A., you know what I mean, to do, to make my way, and because um, I had gotten my audio engineering degree kind of later, like in my late 20s. Right. People can't see this, but Amy's tearing up right now a little bit. <laughs> and we're just gonna pause and get her a tissue. So one moment. <laughs> The, po okay. <laughs> the point I'm making about that, wait, uh -huh. there was a point. Oh, yeah, this is it. I okay. moved there because that was the place to move gotcha. if you were in, in, in film. And the thing is, the weird thing about moving to L.A. when you're in film is you can go down there and just be there for a couple years, but then come back to Seattle and go like, yeah, I worked in L.A. And then people are like, oh, okay, you, mm -hmm. have you now have credibility. Mm -hmm. if, you didn't if you didn't work in L.A., you had no credibility. Right. Mm -hmm. um, I'm sure that's the same and way. It's weird how that translates because who knows what the fuck you did in LA. I mean, you could have yeah. worked on some horrible like Fox reality television show, just like scrapping together every time somebody said potato, you know, and like right. that's I, what you and did I, in film. I do get more credibility even for the short time that I worked in LA. I can st I still get more credibility having, having gone down there and done that. And that's fabulous. Even though I came back a failure. <laughs> I, but it doesn't I think that's matter. a little harsh. <laughs> well, I mean, I, 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 I'm joking. Yeah. Uh, but half. I'm half joking. I felt like, if, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, so, oh, wait. This was the, the point I was going to make about that. When I was preparing to leave for L.A., I got a lot of, oh, going to move to L.A., going make, gonna to make that, you're going to try to go for it, huh? You know, that kind of thing? Like, yep. Oh, yeah, it can really burn. It can really ruin you. Yeah. You're going to go down there. You're really going to get, you're going to get jaded. Think bad things are going to happen. You yeah. know, like, you, you know, people yeah. were not saying, you know, so, I'm not everybody, but some people, they weren't saying like, yeah, great idea. I hope you make it. I hope you become, you know, an engineer and I hope it works out for you and blah, blah, blah. It, it was just more like. But kind of mixed with the jealousy right. because of that lottery thing where you might have exactly the same talent or less than somebody else, but you might hit the mm -hmm. lottery and they might not. Mm -hmm. It's like two leaves it might be swirling around in a river and all of a sudden one of them <laughs> catches a current and it goes and the other one keeps going around and around and around in the same space. Yeah. You know, like, but it's, it, it, it's complete luck of the draw, right? Yep. Uh, 
Yep. Come, well, you have to know something. And it's then networking, time and place. Yeah. What's available? It's like it's like relation. It's all timing. So that that kind of negative thing of like, yeah. oh, okay, all right. Well, good luck. Good luck yeah. down there. You know. Yeah. And, and and then like looking at your watch like until you come back. And that's such a time. Seattle thing too, where it's like I'm not gonna express how I truly feel, but I will express disdain and like lack of belief in you. I think that there's a Seattle thing especially in the film world in seattle it was definitely like that where, where we resented people that moved to la mm-hmm. like fine you moved away it's like you, you could try and cultivate something here but you choose to go the easy road and go to a place that's already been cultivated Shame yeah yeah or or a jealousy mm-hmm. or a something see and i was just like you know and i was like asking my friend like where where do you think you want to live oh brooklyn like williamsburg or grand point and i'm like Okay, it, you know the L train's going to be down for like three years because that that whole Hurricane Sandy thing, they got to repair the tunnel. <laughs> so if you move there, I hope you like buses. And I don't know if you've ever ridden on a New York City bus, but... Um, Not pretty? Mm. 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 Oh, the odors. Yes, bring yeah. a hazmat and... <laughs> <laughs> and give yourself an extra hour to get to where you're going. So in a way, you wanted to give people some kind of like usable advice, but you weren't being jealous or naysaying on their dream. Right. Like I, I wanted them to be like, I wanted them to think about like research this, you know, do a little homework, like figure out what you're really doing. Don't jump into these things just because they sound awesome and they sound fun. Be excited about it, but don't set yourself up for failure. Do you feel like you went, you went in unprepared? Oh, for sure. But like, like I mentioned earlier, I already had a job and a place to live. So it was like, if I didn't, if I didn't go, I would really regret it. Yeah. You know, it'd be, it would be so ridiculous. It's kind of like me with Watertown. I, um, the, that's the biggest regret of my life. That is the biggest. Oh yeah. No, it ruined my life. However, this is the thing. Had I not done it, would have been the biggest regret of my mm-hmm. life. <laughs> so it's a lose, lose, mm-hmm. win, win. You can't, there's just no way out. It was like the one opportunity I had to go into business for myself. And I either was going to take it or not take it. And, 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 um, either go down in a ball of flames or, or whatever. I just had to do it. Right. You got to go through it. And whatever happens on the other side is not guaranteed. And right. it's not for you to know when you begin going through it, but you have to go through it. Yeah. I would have regretted it. I mean, I've, 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 uh, um, yeah, I mean. Yelp's th- a horrible thing. What, what was that? <laughs> Yelp's a horrible thing. <laughs> it's a horrible <laughs> uh, Well, you know, it's funny. I was thinking about, like, I, I heard your conversation about Yelp, and I was like, well, where'd all this really come from? And I was thinking back, and I'm like, rating people and rating systems kind of began digitally with, like, eBay. And oh, it was used okay. as a tool so that you could trust the person you're buying from or right. you could trust the person you're trying to sell to like are they reputable do people you know give them a good like rating you right. know can i trust them right. so that evolved into other platforms and and then it could be used as a bully club too it could absolutely and i think it's funny i think there's some article online i was reading about all this and they pretty put it pretty well and they're saying that technology is wonderful technology is great it's allowed us to do all these things like the the stupidity comes in from humans who don't know how to apply it properly to things. So okay. you have people applying technology to, you know, restaurant rating systems. It sounds good at first, but then it creates a platform by which everyone's a critic and 
every individual has a voice. Right. You don't have to have credentials anymore. You don't need to be a journalist. You don't need to understand food. So people that like complain about situations in restaurants or in cafes, a lot of them are complaining about things that they feel entitled to, but they just don't simply just don't understand how the system works. Or they might be having a bad experience with a server, but it, it, it's them. Right. I mean, they, they might have put something. I mean, two days ago, you and I were talking about Black Mirror. Yes. Did you watch Nosedive? Yes. Okay. I, uh, yes. This is this fits perfectly. This is like the, that's the nth degree of what we're talking that's what about. Got you. So that's when I reached out. So I reached out to Amy, and I was like, I want to interview with you. And I was watching Nosedive, which is the first episode of the third season of this series, Black Mirror, which it's kind of like a technology twilight zone. Yeah. Um, so it they takes where we are, but puts it just a little bit further. Yeah, they but only a little bit. They, really. they turn I mean, it up to eleven. Yeah, <laughs> no, they really oh, a little a little much, you know. Like, yeah. So nosedive is um, a story about um, a woman in the future that is um, in the society that rates people like you'd rate an Uber. Like I give my driver five stars, but you do this for every interaction with every person you meet. So it creates this caste system of people that are, I'm a 4.6, so I have these privileges and this privilege, and I only communicate with people that are 4.6 and above. And it, I was filled with was, anxiety watching it. It was intense. And, and the, the thing that where nobody could be honest, you can never be honest with anybody because you can't mm -hmm. let your true feeling, you can't, if you lose your temper at somebody and then you go from a 4.6 to a 4.2 and then if something happens and you go down with, you know, and then you could like nosedive, which mm -hmm. is what it's called. But like, did you ever see that movie, The Game with Michael Douglas? No. Okay. Um, anyway, but like when you go all the way down and then on, you're on the other side, mm -hmm. that's a very interesting, have you ever felt with like in I'm just gonna you know this is a spoiler alert which I hate that saying spoiler alert but she went to the bottom and she was finally able to say fuck you to somebody mm -hmm. you know and knowing that she was a 0 0.00 oh yeah you know oh, and yeah. it's like I'm down here fuck you motherfucker you know exactly. and you finally and she found joy in that oh and so yeah she was living she was finally she was living. living and have you ever found yourself to be, did you ever nosedive at any time in your life? Were you ever at the bottom of something? I've no on it. Like I have not to those depths. Like I felt myself going in the, that direction, mm -hmm. but I could never take it there because I feel like once I open that can of worms, I don't know if I could ever close it. So you, you have know? a, you have a pretty good self-preservation ish. I have alarms thing. that go off that okay. are like, do not pass this point because I know me and you know, once I create a new extreme, then it, it's just something I, I don't want to cross. Right. Yeah. Because, you know, I find that, like, in that weird time when we all first met and we all just didn't know what the fuck we were doing. Can I also point out that yeah. I just said, I know me. <laughs> <laughs> Guess well, what? you do. You do. I know me. You know you a lot better than you used to. He knows himself. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think that, you know, I don't know how old you were and I met you, like, 24 or 20. Something I don't like know. Something like that. But, but like... You, you definitely had a, you were spiky. I mean, like. Moods. Spiky, like, you kind of intimidated me. No way. You totally did. Because oh. you were, I mean, because you're, you're, um, 
you have brown because you're brown mm-hmm. no it's the you have this razor sharp wit no and way. i feel like that i'm you know and i'm you know whatever i can match wits with people but mm-hmm. but you can you can you can go to the mat you know in a, <laughs> in a way that i really respect it right and so um it was always one up one up one up with you until we were like we, we we anyway we went to crazy town together a couple times yeah and you <laughs> and you you bit it when i went out of town i was like i just shaking my head cuz i was down in la and i got a call that you're like i no longer work with you and i'm like no i leave for like 3 days and look what happens oh, my you, work wife I got, got i got fired canned. before you even left while while i was gone yeah <laughs> I was, oh my god I, I, it's um I think I just, yeah. Anyway, that. I, I wonder uh, if they're like. I wonder why our decaf sales have plummeted. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Sudden um, decrease in our decaf. But sales. you know, if in during that time, mm-hmm. um, you were drinking a lot. Uh, yes. But, but you have your when we're talking about the limits and going down to zero point zero zero, like you have a limit. Everybody has a oh, limit you know, to it. Mm-hmm. No, finish what you were just going to say. I'm curious. No, you know what? I did have, I did have one blackout in my life. Okay. And that was probably that was a good nose diet, but I wasn't really conscious for it. If you know what I mean. Right. And did something bad happen? I mean, nothing. I wasn't arrested. <laughs> okay. Nothing bad, terrible happened, but, um, um, so as far as taking a nosedive, um, I think the closest I came was I had a situation where I, like I blacked out Okay. and it was a combination of things. So during those years, during that time, I think working at Vivace, like we, um, we had a culture of drinking for sure. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I mean, not just like going out after work and having a drink, I mean, the people that would open in the morning at 5.30 when they got off at 11 or 11.30, whatever it was, they'd finish counting their money, go down the set TM for a bite, which meant martinis, and they would drink until the middle shift, you know, baristas got off, and the middle shift was like noon to six. Right. Mm-hmm. So get off at six o'clock, go meet up with the morning people that are drunk, and drink with them until the night shift got off. <laughs> That happened, and that was not like once. Well, oh yeah, the marathons—we call them marathons. <laughs> so I, I remember the players. Well, that was a thing. Yeah. And um, one of those marathons was happening. Um, I think I was—I was barbacking at 3:21, so I got off at like 4 p.m. So okay. I was okay. kind of in the height. And we go to Charlie's. Uh, why? I know Charlie's. Only bad things happen. Only bad things. So yeah. uh, I know I had. 10 margaritas because of the receipt <laughs> but we also had xanax oh so that's kind of just like a recipe for forgotten memories oh, oh yeah bye bye yeah and mm-hmm. decided it would be fun to go visit whoever was working at the roasteria and um so the the barista at the roasteria her boyfriend was there and him and i didn't really get along uh-huh um he was just like one of those per- people that knew how to push my buttons right and there's always this, like, kind of, um, like, suggestive, like, uh, sequence. Uh-huh. And um, I started chasing him. Out. I chased him out of the Rosteria down Broadway towards, like, Seattle Central. Like, raging in the street, on him? Like, raging. Like, you were going like, to go beat the shit out of him? I wanted to, I wanted to him? rip his arms off him and beat him. With it. Like, I was really angry, Because you, you did have a temper. Whoa. Yeah. And 
I we were running back the other way, and I rounded the corner at the what was then the Jack in the Box, and I oh, ran yeah. into a truck. Oh. And knocked myself out. <laughs> and I was on. I guess I was on the ground for a little bit, not <laughs> responsive. And the barista was like trying to <laughs> see if I was okay. And then I came to and started chasing him again. <laughs> Oh my god. I don't remember any of this. I I don't know how you didn't pass out between the margaritas and the Xanax. Yeah. Well, okay, so I opened the next day Holy the shit. bar uh-huh. with Linda Kleckler. Oh my god. And I don't remember working that whole shift. Okay. And I went back to bed after that shift and I woke up at like six in the evening. Uh-huh. And I didn't know if it was morning or night. And I walked I went I went to Hollywood to go get a movie to watch or something right. and I ran into that you know the barista that all that happened with is uh, Jody Taylor and I was like Jody's like saw me on the street and it's like hey Jody and she's like are you okay <laughs> and I'm like I'm fine how are you fine like, why do you ask and then she explained the whole story to me and I'm just like slack jawed on the street like are you are you kidding me like that that happened so and you know that's when I was like you need you need to f- you need to get some control back in uh-huh. your life, you know, and it scared you. It scared. Yeah, of course it scared me. Like yeah. I don't remember a whole day of my life. Right. You know, that, <coughs> so well, I mean, at least you only don't remember one. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. And you know, and then, it just kind of, it shook me. Right. So that was like a, that was a big nose dive for me. And I, I know, you know, other people have had like more significant. Right. I remember around that Jeez. time you gave me Augustine Burroughs Dry. Do you remember giving me that book? Did I? Yeah. That's passive aggressive. Uh, I don't think you gave it to me because you thought I was drinking too much. I think you gave it to me because you thought I'd like it. And you... I it moved think me. It moved you, and I think you could relate to it a little bit. Mm-hmm. And we were partying uh-huh. um, because we were all lost. I mean, like, you know, that... Um, Halloween party that happened at my house that turned into like it got like people from the neighborhood started coming and been <laughs> I mean it turned into a party where people drug dealers from around the corner came into that party it and was were, and were selling drugs it was the party that you would see at the end of one of those teenage movies like it was party out of bounds yeah and it co- it completely lost control Laverne was pissed <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, those were I, I was yeah. so depressed at that time. Yeah. I mean, I was didn't know what I was doing at all. Um, yeah, those were some of the like it, as much as I have really funny memories and there's a lot of like good you know you know how the goods always mix with mm-hmm. the bad. But I was very it, I was very much in a in a acting out phase. Me too. And I mean and I'm not proud of that story, you know, it's of the blackout oh story? yeah i'm still like ashamed you sh- of that yeah for sure yeah you know? it's not like who i am and i don't like being out of control yeah i mean you and i used to just throw <laughs> i don't know if you throw remember things out the window well we throw things out the window for the hell of it but <laughs> <laughs> like but we also would throw uh, p- <laughs> that was more that was your know. thing yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But we would. Th- you would throw coins at people we that would, would throw, tip you coins. We would throw pennies at the customers. <laughs> and horrible. see if they noticed. So they'd be sitting in the cafe, and then a, and then like I would <laughs> try to surreptitiously like I would somehow flee. I was pretty good at it. Yeah. Getting the until penny. you got the bird. 
<laughs> you know, fling a penny and then like a penny hits their table and they don't know why. See, I was more of like, so uh, <laughs> this cafe I worked at, um, I used to play, do you remember Beck Odelay? Oh, yeah. Great album. Yeah, but the last the song, uh-huh. it's not a song. It's like, it's called Computer, Computer Lab? Oh, and it's, computer? yeah, and it's just, is it it's distortion? Like, do, do, do. Yeah. Do, oh, do, yeah. Do, do. It's like, God, get that thing off of there. Right. I, I play that, that on repeat. Oh, okay. <laughs> after closing, when people couldn't understand that we're, we're no longer open. That was your, your way of saying mm. it's time to go. Yeah, and I got called out on it by this one customer that was just, it enraged him. <laughs> Well, they do have to leave at some point. It was, yeah. Yeah. It's like you've long finished your beverage, and I I like that you're enjoying your company with your lady friend, but there are... (laughs) We have to close it. I have to lock this up. (laughs) We're going to have to close at some point, yes. Um... So Vice Vice Magazine and the Vice Channel and the all you know how Vice used to well it Vice was Vice Media well it now. used to be that just that magazine that you kind of came upon and you never knew where it was yeah yep free magazines so, yeah like and it's like where did this come or, from mm-hmm. so you worked at Vice I did tell me about that <laughs> so I must know it was it was way back when. They were just a magazine still. This is like 2006. Okay. And they're just starting Vice TV. They're getting that off the ground, so they're traveling a lot. And it was kind of weird because they're trying to do like serious journalism, but like they're just like frat boys. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, it's interesting, but it doesn't make any sense. Like, was the place like how I would imagine, and like some Williamsburg mm-hmm. kind of like yep. um, warehousey wood yep. floor type? Okay. Yep. Exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And where it is in Williamsburg is now like uber posh, but back then it was still like trashy, dumpy industrial. Right. And um, when I worked there, I worked. I was in the records department. Uh huh. Um, not like archives, but like you know the discs that you play. Oh. Yeah, so I was like the intern to the A&R people. Why did you have records at Vice Magazine? Or they had a record label. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, get, I didn't know that. I yeah. just knew them as a magazine. They did, like, <coughs> yeah, they had a record label. And um, so I was, like, working on, like, some of the album releases. Like, I think Block Party put an album out while I was there. So I was, like, doing a lot of marketing and promo kits for all their tour stops in the U.S. and this and that. And taking tons of records up to midtown and just hanging out it was fun you liked um, it i liked it did it you was, feel hip enough there's some really you know there's some different personalities that i wouldn't i wasn't so interested in knowing um and there's some stereotypical stuff like the whole gross jar is a real thing what's a gross what do you mean i don't know that there's a <laughs> there's a glass jar full of every disgusting bodily fluid you could ever imagine that had just been marinating for a couple years so it's just basically looked like a jar full of solid poop why did they and why why did they have that because it's because it's shocking and gross okay so they decided while i was there they decided to take the gross jar and remove everything in it and use it to tie-dye t-shirts with and make the interns wear them i flat out refused yeah obviously and every other intern did it and how we knew they were doing that is like all of a sudden the office just started to reek 
Uh-huh. And they were doing it on the roof. This is how bad this jar smelled. You could smell it inside the office downstairs from the rooftop that they were, like, heating this up and, like, tie-dyeing shirts with it. And people were, like, barfing. You guys could have been, like, patient zero from a, for a new outbreak of a disease <laughs> from that. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. We all evacuated the office that day because it, it reeked so badly. So, that you is, know, things like that. You know what? That is not things a like good that. idea. No. Yeah, no, no, people that have ideas like that and they got that, they got that much success. They got so fucking successful yet they had, Mm -hmm. that was one of their Mm -hmm. ideas. Yep. uh, Unbelievable. And. So gross. Did you, was it a super hipster thing? I mean, like, just, did you feel cool enough all the time to be at Vice? Or did you always feel like you needed some extra sensibility of what the next cool blah, blah, blah? No, I mean, I totally felt like I could hold my own, you know? Okay. And um, this was, like, kind of, this was, like, pre, like, Facebook and, like, social media. You know, this was, like, this was a little bit different. Like, I still had, like, a moto razor or something. So okay. it was, like, you know, it was a little bit more insular. So you were cool based on, like, your personality and, like, what you were actually like rather than how you presented yourself digitally. You know, okay. it's a very different thing, I feel like. You know, like, did you mourn Anna Nicole Smith when she died? Which I was in the office and that happened and I did. (laughs) (laughs) I thought it was important. Um, (laughs) Just have a moment. Just a moment here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, and it's also based on, like, you know, I worked in records. So it was like, what what were your musical interests and tastes and bands that you liked and shows that you'd seen? You were always really into music. I was. You always had new stuff that was cool. And I got to go to all these amazing shows and, like, um, when my internship was done, they hooked me up with this, like, crazy marketing job where I was, like, doing social media stuff for, like, Enrique Iglesias. <laughs> <laughs> it was really cheesy, but it was fun. But, like, part of my parking gift was, like, all these tickets to these shows. So I saw, like, one of Beirut's first New York concerts. And wow. it, was, it was just a lot of fun. To, you like, kind of lived the life. I, I mean, for I the had time. a great time you, there. For the time that you were in New York, you, 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 you know. I did some fun stuff. Yeah, you dug in. Yeah, I tried a bunch of different things, you know. And, like, you know, the last few years there, I was, like, editing documentaries and, like, you know, weird Discovery Channel shows and stuff. It was was a very mixed bag. It was a lot of fun. So, here in Seattle, you, you are brown and it's super white. And then you moved to New York and you finally felt, what, a little bit like... You fit in a little bit better over there. Did you find? It's did you interesting feel that way? though too. Like I felt, you know, being in Seattle and there's not a lot of you know people of color around you. Right. You have perceptions of like what that means and this and that. So like coming back to this, I felt very like naked in Seattle. What do you mean? I felt exposed. I felt like you know I looked different than everybody. I might. Oh, okay. I felt like people were going to treat. You know, it was just a anxiety and a. And a fear that wasn't and necessarily you don't, true. You know, we had talked a bit about how you, or texted a bit how you didn't feel, um, didn't feel accepted as gay, or you don't necessarily mm. come across as gay. It's not obvious that you're gay. I've taken flack for, <laughs> bitch queen. <laughs> um, no, I've, like, I've taken flack, and I'm, I, I do me as well as I can do me. Like right. I, I don't. You wait. When you say you've taken flack, you mean like not being gay enough? Is that what you're talking about? Right. Huh. Right. Like, so a couple summers ago, there was a lot of, you know, 
violence against gays on Capitol Hill, like, you know, random beat downs and knives right. and, you know, just a lot of bad stuff happening. And, you know, and I was having conversations about it and I'm like, well, we should do like, you know, some sort of like protective stuff or this and that. And like some of the responses I'd get from people were like, it's just something that you don't have to worry about because you pass as straight and blah, blah, blah. Like, Oh, like you were resented as though it. like I, yeah. As though it's some sort of something I'm presenting to the world as a defense. And I'm like, no, I'm just, this is me. Like, yeah, this is how I come. So do you think they were either angry or jealous or because a lot of a lot of gay men are always saying they want straight acting appearing men and see and that's just a thing is like for me i i don't act one way right you it's know what just, i mean yeah you have no affect right yeah right this is not this is not a front i'm putting on to it's just me being comfortable in my, in my own skin and i don't i don't i don't know how to read into that like i didn't know if it was some sort of attack or just something that they wanted to point out or just uh like exclaim you can't have this experience i have and you can't ever understand my vulnerability because like you don't walk you know in my shoes and there's a lot in that though well and it's like and it just it's it was by that point i I didn't really care because it was just another but it's kind of insulting to i mean it's hard not to be a little like who are you to tell me but i've heard this before in other ways so it wasn't so shocking like i all growing up you're not black enough you ain't black you're not white enough you ain't white so right. it's, it's, I'm always not enough in that sense. Yeah. So I don't even, it, you know, I don't even hear it anymore. It's just. So you don't have a, like, um, what you said in your text was like a tribe. You don't feel like you have your tribe or your squad or your peeps or whatever that you want to call, like that you really fit into some group. Right. Like I don't have a designated tribe in that sense. And now that there's like more mixed babies, you know, yeah. it's like it's changing things and how people understand and interpret like, you know, mixed race people. Did you make any mixed race friends that had like a white mother, black father like you? Absolutely. That must've felt like, Oh my gosh, I can talk to you about so many things. I can't talk to anybody else. Like my friend, Steven, he lives here in Seattle and we're, you know, of similar age. Uh And I always joke when I'm hanging out with him, like, this is my cousin. And people are like, Oh really? (laughs) And we're both, you know, mixed black and white and right. gay men so it's like it's it's nice to have that you know just at face value like he's an awesome person and we get along well but like just just knowing that it's 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 a really nice thing and it's something i think a lot of people take for granted and that's okay you should like take for granted that you have people that you can really relate to based on your just genetic makeup and your but man i would feel like if i finally met somebody with that that same background as me like you turn oh my god no (laughs) (laughs) i would feel like i wanted to talk to them for 12 hours straight yeah just oh my god tell me about this and did this happen to you and did this happen it's also like a good book you just kind of read chapters yeah and take your time and like but you you're gonna have an understanding with that person that that you're just not gonna have with anybody else yeah it's a unique experience so that's kind of what i meant about like you know a tribe in that sense yeah that's such a silly word to use for this. now you've never been in a long-term relationship correct like i've never had like a domestic partnership or you know I've, i live with this person for years or right mm-hmm. how do you feel about that i feel fine about it it used to bother me uh-huh um but i feel okay with it like i feel like you i feel w- like what made me feel bad is just the pressure other people have put on you like you're defective in some way or um or something's wrong 
you know, right. like you should be. You you should strive to be in a partnership. You should strive to be in a relationship. You should like that's the natural state. Yes. Okay. That you should desire that, and it's not that I don't, but I don't want to. I don't want to be in a relationship just for the sake of being in one. Right. Or like when I see people that are together, and I'm like, why? What is worth all this bickering and all this pettiness? Oh my god, bickering is the worst. Like that kind of yeah. couple, and in and you're naturally going to do that with people anyway. It's like with your friends or your like family. Like you get in fights, you get over it, you still talk. It doesn't mean you're no longer friends or family. Yeah, but a bickering couple is a certain kind of thing that I just have to, like, oh right. look at the time I got to get out of here. Yeah. And I also like, you know, I move around a lot and I'm, I I try a lot of different things like work-wise and like what I want to do with my life. I like to keep it moving. So like, I think there's also a little bit of a, um, like maybe it's a little bit of fear of commitment or maybe it's a little bit of, um, have you ever met that? Well, okay. Have you ever met a guy? Mm-hmm. I have? have. Okay. You've met a guy yes. before in your yes. life. Okay. And then you had sex with that guy. Has mm-hmm. that ever happened? Yes. Okay. Have you ever then again wanted to have sex again with that same guy? Yes. Have you a third time wanted to have sex with that same guy? I feel like Bill Clinton here. (laughs) (laughs) This is going somewhere. Have you? Yes. Now, a pattern can emerge from that Mm -hmm. where you keep having sex with the same person. Mm -hmm. And if you keep having sex with the same person, feelings might happen. Mm Mm-hmm. What's the longest amount of times that you've had sex with somebody that I wasn't dating? I'm uh, it, the word dating doesn't even really mean because anything. I feel like I feel like you're you're I hear what you're saying right, and I understand like this like causal relationship you're establishing. Yeah. Sometimes it's it doesn't always work like that. Okay. Can, um, can sometimes like romantic feelings don't come up like that. Okay. And sometimes they do, and sometimes it kind of squanders. Like it just depends on what someone else wants, and like, and how you met, you know. And did you did you meet going into something that like seemed like mutually it was going to just be a sexual relationship, or yeah, I don't know. Have you had the um, kind of uh, more lovey, not not just sex, but kind of like yeah, of feelings course, for sure. Yeah. And what happened with that? What, oh, I, what, uh, what I had self-sabotage or like, um, I like that was too much. Yeah. Like I'll, I'll like sometimes I'll just start distancing myself away from that person or huh. just kind of ghosting out a little bit just to kind of, and I think part of it is like trying to establish boundaries. Like how far away can I push this person before they are no longer interested in knowing me? Do you feel like you're denying yourself something? It could be, I mean, you didn't, you didn't play it out to its natural end. I mean, by essence, this, this would be denying yourself something like, and like how, I don't know how, I don't know how else to be about that, you know? Right. It, it just seems to me like it didn't play out. Mm-hmm. I mean, some relationships play out to what, you know, what I call their natural end. Sometimes people break up and that's where it needed to happen. Mm -hmm. But if you're leaving before you've stopped feeling everything that you felt for that person and explored that, then you've just truncated something versus playing it out. For sure. And I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a licensed psychologist. (laughs) However, it just makes me, I, I I guess I would want you to 
to have that feeling or mm-hmm. know a little bit more about that feeling because but then on on another level you're 100% right because getting your heart broken is the worst thing that can ever happen but to I've, you. I've definitely had my heart broken, you know. Oh, you, and okay, you have. Absolutely. And I've definitely felt like, you know, I've been in love with somebody. Okay. You know, and it does hurt. Yes. And it's, you know, it's great for weight loss. Yes. And, um, and it's, I don't like the, I, the desperation feeling that comes that out I of, get. oh, mm-hmm. God. Wanting to know what they're doing. Reaching out. Try, you know, like. Analyzing every fucking moment of everything that you, it, it's. <laughs> Listening to, like, Lauren Hill in the shower and kind of, like, fake sobbing because you don't really want to sob, but you kind of start doing it, and it just gets weird. <laughs> and I just can't stand when my mind is taken over by the thought of somebody that way. Mm. It's just completely... I can't... Obsess, 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 obsess. Like, For sure. nobody's business. For sure. And I don't want to feel that way. And um, you know, I don't think it's some sort of like protection mechanism that I'm doing this to like avoid heartbreak because I'm not afraid of that. But uh-huh. like, I feel like I just want like to have a very genuine connection with somebody that I really like connect with, and it, and that happens. And there's definitely connections. Where I'm like, there's chemistry here, mm-hmm. and you know, and those people I felt that with, maybe the timing's not right, maybe. What they want is not what I want or vice versa. So that's just kind of been the case more often than not. So I'd rather settle for something very strong and true. And like that, and that makes my, you know, heart turn upside down. And I felt that and I know what that feels like. Right. And I don't want to, I don't know. And at the same time, I've heard, had friends that are like, just get to know someone. It'll, it'll grow on you. And that, and that works with like friendships for me. But like, I know when I know. I, oh, I, I'm an, I'm one of those instant. People I know. Too. I just, I just. Everybody I've ever I loved, know. I felt instantly a lot the second I looked at them, yes. even from across, yes. truly from across the room, you know, right type of thing, and. And it sounds. I just know. I can, yeah. I understand that about me. I, I know me. Right now, what I want, and it doesn't. <laughs> you do know you. What right now? What I want is I just want someone to play with. I want to like have fun. I want to go do stuff. Mm-hmm. I want to like go. To the park, and I want to eat brunch, and I want to run sure. around. I just want to have fun, 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 fun. Like I'm just craving like a fun, a person that says yes. Do you want to do this? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I totally want to do that. Mm-hmm. Let's do that. You know. And you know, when people get older, they don't say yes a lot. Mm-hmm. You can barely get somebody to kind of like, oh, we should have to. Let me pencil you in for. Let me look. Hold on. Let me look. Look at my calendar. You know what I mean? Like. <laughs> I think that you know what I'm talking about then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it gets yes. to be like, I, I miss the the youthful fun of just blurting out an idea and having that other person say yes. Absolutely. And I get it when people have like children and that there's other priorities, but like in general, as a single person or as a person, you don't need to schedule anything. Just go do it. We all right. eat. Let's go. Let's go have a meal and figure shit out. Yeah, so. and I, I'm right now. I don't have a pet, and I don't have responsibilities, and I don't have those yeah. things. So if I, if I met somebody, it wouldn't be like I gotta go because I gotta go feed my dog. I gotta go because I gotta go feed my toddler. I mean, I don't have anything <laughs> tethering me to keep me from having fun. I so gotta it's go like, walk my toddler. So yeah, gotta <laughs> let the toddler out of the cage. Yeah, but um, you know, so I- even if it was just a friend, a new friend yeah. that had time to have fun with me. Yeah. 
I want somebody to have fun with me. You know. I want to have fun with, and I think also people can feel intimidated by you know if you feel an attraction to somebody. Uh huh. And they sense that, and it's so early on, like that can be very intimidating. Like yeah. it feels like it feels like you're putting up expectations that someone's not really sure if they want to commit to or not. So. Right. Yeah. Oh, love. But it's funny though, like now that I'm 36, like <laughs> I I'm like way popular with this like mid younger and mid 20 something crowd. Oh, okay. Yeah. Do you do the which do you do Grinder, Tinder? Do, which do I do Grind? Which which which, which one? one which do you, one which apps which app do you? Use? Which app do you? Use? Which app do you use? I yeah. use Scruff. Scruff. Okay. I've scruffed. Okay, so that's yeah. why you get the younger ones. Perhaps so, but I mean even in in like physical interactions in the world like not even on like particularly on dating sites like right. just in person uh-huh so do you think scruff is kind of like fishing like hunting and fishing because i know <laughs> i think scruff is like a vending machine <laughs> uh, okay you know it's kind of like this like you're just kind of scanning and scanning and just kind of looking and like it, it feels like that it feels very like you know like a product you're just like people are you know just items isn't that, that isn't it kind of like I mean, I, I've talked about this before on some of my other podcasts. I'm sure you've probably heard me. Maybe I'm even belaboring the point now. But when you get to where you have to reduce yourself to, as, to a commodity and you also are looking at somebody on your phone and it's like, oh, I'm going to swipe left. Oh, I'm going to swipe right. I mean, these are, these are people. But this and isn't just, new. This is just a different medium that we perform it on. Yeah, but it, fe- it just like, I can't tell you. Like, if, if, if there was some camera overlooking some situation and some people were tindering and they were swiping 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 and my picture came up and they just swipe left like nah left i mean and i actually like saw footage of that or something like to know how little you mean but do you not already do that in your day-to-day life like without even really thinking about it like if you were to walk in i'm just playing devil's advocate yeah no i hear you i hear you and i feel like if you were to walk up in the club or wherever you're at you know right. you eliminate 90 percent of the people in the room just by scanning with your eyes you're doing the same thing but you're just not doing it with a deliberate like interaction i, I would say device. the difference is when you're looking out in a room those people aren't necessarily putting themselves up on the auction block on Tinder, they are. Mm-hmm. In a room, they could be doing anything. They could just be with a friend having a drink. They're not looking for a date. Not, it could be any number of things. But this is an auction block situation. Mm-hmm. And and it... it it's, it's... I don't know. Fucking I, it, weird it, is it's what it a, is. It makes a human being into a commodity. It does. And that's what I can't bear. You know, I, I think I'm just too... I'm not saying it's bad... Most everybody I know does it. It's not a morality thing. I'm not judging. I just can't do it myself. I've tried. Then why is it so popular? Why do people want to do it? It's a weird fascination to like look at other people like a little, just like completely objectified. We say we don't want to objectify people, but this is this is what the nature of these apps are doing. So. Yeah, I can't look at a picture and know whether. Anything, and I just want to yeah. know when everyone decided that they. They love hiking, and that's all they ever want to do. Because oh my I God. remember growing up, yeah. like, if you wore hiking boots, you were a big 
dork. You were granola, you know, and like that was not an endearing term. They all have a hiking picture. And they're, everybody they're, has a picture of themselves on top of mountain. I mean, and I'm guilty too. Yeah, and I'm guilty too. But <laughs> oh, like, do you have your hiking picture? Up? But I, I do. I, I, I believe I do. Okay, there you go. Seattle, Northwest. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but, Requirement. You know, but like, as a native Seattleite and as someone who's growing up doing things outside, legitimately, you know, right. And I didn't have gear, and I didn't like, you know, go gear up. But like, it, it's just funny how it's become our our culture. In, in the dating world. Yeah. There's the obligatory. Like it's a requisite. Like it's yeah. a bar of entry. <laughs> yeah. Like I, put, I mean, on my Facebook, I was on um, match.com for a day and a half. And it was like, when, did, why does everybody a kayaker? Since when does everybody oh, right. kayak? Right, right. It's like, are you fucking kidding me? Really? Like <laughs> everybody, yeah. everybody has a kayak. What is, you know, so I just it's started. It's just a bandwagon. Like It's kinda. so weird. It's like, yeah kayaking mm -hmm. like it would be listed in the things that they like to do and i swear to god 90 percent mm -hmm. and don't even get me started on astrology because if you know i mean i'm an, I, I i would if if i tell my real feelings about astrology i'll lose half my friends <laughs> which is if you believe in astrology i cannot respect your intelligence that's probably there, because i lost half my friends <laughs> yeah. venus must be in your seventh house <laughs> But, you know, and on the dating sites, astrology is big. It's so bizarre. It's so weird. That's when I had, maybe I just don't look for it, but I haven't really observed that. Oh, my God. I mean, that just can't be a part of, it just, whatever, you know. I'd rather, I'd rather just do what, like, sit upstairs at Vivachi here and do a <laughs> podcast with you. You know what I mean? I'd much rather be doing this right now. I think it's great. This, this is what I want to be doing at this moment. And so I am connecting. Yay, the struggle to connect. I have connected with <laughs> Brian Jackson. Can I ask a few more questions about Grinder? Sure. Okay. Um, how often do you do grind? How often do you grind? Yeah. <laughs> um, what, does that, what does that mean? How like often do how I check it? How often do I like, how meet often guys? Do you hook up? How often do I hook up? Yeah. Um, depends on the week, but like, you know, a few times a month, a few times a month. Mm -hmm. And when do you drink anymore or drink or not drink? I do. Okay. Yeah. And do you find that you need a couple drinks in order to connect with the grinding on the grinder? No, no, you no. can do it sober. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then G give me an, the average scenario. So oh, you go yeah. on. So it depends. Like, I mean, some some of it could be like just meeting up for coffee because I actually have a just want to know that you're not a fucking crazy. Uh huh. <laughs> um, sometimes it's people that I have met out, and then I'm like, oh hey, I think I met you, blah blah blah, and you end up just kind of having a conversation. Uh huh. Um, it could just be like a a way to reach out and communicate, or sometimes it's just kind of like I don't really want to know too much about you, and I just want to you know. Right. Hook up. And it just, there could be different situations. Is it really that fun? What? You know, anonymous sex. Because I don't have anonymous sex. Hmm. So, I mean, I, it doesn't seem like it would be fun. For, <laughs> for me, it would be just like, I don't want your germs. I feel like, you know, it could be fun, but it also can just be kind of vapid where you just, afterward, you just feel a little numb. So it's not, it's not a favorite thing. I would say. It's just kind of like a pastime. But like if you're in another town, it could just be like an adventure. 
Like it's if, probably more romantic out of town, I would think. Like if you're, you're in like, like if I go to Vancouver and it's like, yeah, I totally would want to do that, you know? Like, is it ever, I mean, is it ever what you want it to be? Or is it always yeah, a disappointment? I mean, I think you decide that. Okay. I think that you are kind of like the keeper of that. Like, is this something I'm okay with? Is this something that like, I don't know, like, is this just a handshake? Like, am I just horny? Like it. Do you ever want to see them again? Sometimes no. <laughs> Sometimes I, I cannot wait for you to leave. And there's been times where I'm like, this is not what I expected. I'm leaving. <laughs> Tell me your worst grinder experience. Um, I would say I met with this guy and he just tasted like an ashtray and had a really like creepy cold small hands and kissing is big for me like right. if, if we don't start off on good terms there then i just gotta get out of there but just i felt disgusting i just felt so gross and did you have sex with him no okay so you you stopped at the we, yeah yeah you were like yeah. oh, this is not yeah this is not going where i want it to go i don't want to go there but that's still not like a tragic grind. But what's tale. really no, I I have my boundaries. You know, like I'm I'm pretty cautious about some things. So you know any. when you don't like it and you get out of there. Yeah, you don't, you I, don't do things that you don't want to do. Or right. do you do drugs anymore? No, you just no, stay away I'm from good. drugs. I can't wreck my brain. <laughs> right. So you drink not very much, or what's the deal? What's your relationship with alcohol now? With alcohol, I mean, I probably would say i don't i don't go out a whole heck of a lot anymore uh-huh um so i'm just more casual and social like i can honestly say that <laughs> how often do you get drunk um i was i got drunk last night uh-huh and where were you at i went to i went to diesel <laughs> wait to where's that um what did it used to be i see See Seattle's? No, Seabreeze. Oh my God, I don't, I don't know. know. Anyway, so you... Oh, no, no, no. I know, where you're I know where you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Um, and who... Were you alone or what What was No, the, so like um, I met up with a friend of mine um, that likes to watch the, the game on Sunday. Okay. And I actually haven't watched a Seahawks game. Uh-huh. And um, I was like, oh, good, I'll do it. And um, yeah, I don't know. Like I, I don't go out to like... You know, the I don't really go out to the bars too often. Just because it's either it's the same kind of story. Right. You know, and same kind of situations. Unless it's just kinda like celebrate celebratory or like like a birthday or like meeting up. I don't know. Do you spend no, a I, lot of time alone? I lied because no, I go to bait shop on Thursdays to watch RuPaul's drag race. Oh, okay. <laughs> which is fantastic. Do you do you spend a lot of time alone? I was not I mean on weekdays. I tend to, uh -huh. unless I have, like, plans like this. Okay. Um, and on weekends, I'm usually out and about. So, um, right. not really, but I, it, I just turned away from, you know, having a drinking culture. Okay. And letting that so, you don't get drunk very often? I don't get wasted, no. You don't get wasted? No. Once every what? Maybe, like, once a week or whatever. Okay. It's, it's yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's not often enough for me to really record. Like, it's inconsistent. Yeah. You, yeah. you stay, you look pretty healthy. I mean, if you're, you. you know. You don't look like you're drinking a lot. You know <laughs> what I mean? You're, you're in the realms of normal. And, and that's the other yeah. And, like, you know, I've been more, like, active and, like, taking, like, fitness, like, more seriously. Being hungover and feeling like crap is just, 
it's become very like unappealing and unattractive and I've really taken the reins on that and I just don't want to feel that way. So you're taking, you feel like you have to take better care of your health. Oh, for sure. And I'm totally at that point in my thirties. Do you run or something? What do you do? Impacts me longer. Yeah. <laughs> to be hungover and it sucks. The hangover, the hangover lasts a lot longer. I do interval training, so it's like a lot of there's like resistance training mixed in with like rowing or uh, cycling or treadmills. Do um, you have a bod? A what? A bod? A do you have bod. a total bod? <laughs> you have a bod, don't you? I have a bod. Yeah. You like, seem like you I have get, a bod. I, I. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I'm just. Yeah. I won't make you take off your Start shirt, but I can. Start talking with Amy But no, I went out, and then I ended up going. I went to Flammable last night. What's that? Our own little Seattle's longest running West Coast house party on Sunday nights at Rebar. Okay. That's been going on I a long forget, time. I always forget. I always forget to go to Rebar. Yeah. I should great. go to Rebar more you often. You should go before it's gone. It's going to be torn down because it's only one story. Yeah. Yeah. The parking lot next to it is now a humongous skyscraper. I think the last time I went there, it was queer night. Oh. And that just didn't work for me because you know I'm not a Q. (laughs) And I'm sorry, but why is LGBTQ all lumped together? Like, we have all the same problems. (laughs) Like, I'm sure my issues as a gay man are very different than the L, are very different than the T. I was just talking to a B today. My interview earlier w- was real. with a B. That's what, and that's exactly what we talked <laughs> that's about. That's what they. That's what they hear all the time. <laughs> because the the bees feel like they don't even belong there. Like, why even bother? Mm. It should be, you know. And See, and the T's feel like they're in their completely different world. You yes. Know? So it's like it's it's all segmented. Yes. It's it's not all together. Well, we're all kind of asserting our unique problems that we face. Yeah. And I think when that like came to be a sequence of letters. It was just a way for the straight world to understand that if you're not straight, then you're a sexual pervert minority. <laughs> we'll just put it that way. <laughs> We're of the sexual pervert minority <laughs> class. You know, that's what but, we all have in common. So, yeah, there's that. Ah. The cues. So the bees, I, I kind of relate to the bees. I'm Are not you? sexually. I'm oh, not okay. bisexual at all, but okay. I relate to an experience of you're not gay and you're not straight. Like they're the ones they're in, they're yeah. They don't belong. The yeah. bees don't belong. To they anybody. can pass. You know what I mean? It's like, the, I they don't t- even belong to we, each other. Cause the bees don't date each other. <laughs> <laughs> A bee will always choose an L. Mm. If you're talking women, mm-hmm. they will never be with another bee. Really? Really? It's always with the L. I swear. I, give you what that is a hundred percent true unless it's like just a hookup i think you're right i'm i'm totally right, right <laughs> we've got it all worked out now <laughs> did we did we solve all of life's problems i, I think so what, was i so. too boring for you <laughs> no i think we, we we um talked about a lot of things that made me v vulnerable <laughs> right I should. I should LGBTV. Crown it. Put yeah. a crown on it. Right. Thank you for talking to me. Thank you for. I really me appreciate it. On your it. conversational podcast. Yeah. Quite, quite no, I, I I do find the podcast and these conversations that like may seem like, why are we having this conversation? Why am I up here with Amy on in this like 
we're upstairs we are, dungeon. <laughs> well, I get, it's really hard to explain to anybody listening what it means to be sitting here because I've sat here so many times in my life, <sighs> and this is the it, it, this is we're sitting in the back of the th- 321 Vivace little sidewalk bar, but we're upstairs by the window where everybody eats their lunch breaks, and it smells really weird. But it, but this is but there used to be customer seating up here. Yeah. Did you know that? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, there's a lot of memories up here. Up here. I don't think I've been up here in 10 years, at least. Oh, I've slept up here before. <laughs> <laughs> but I think uh, it's the perfect place for us to have this conversation. But that, that I, but I just wanted to end with these conversations that sometimes I'm wondering when I'm doing my podcast, like, why am I doing my podcast? It, but um, I get something from it. I get something from it. And, and w- weirdly, as... As much as we probably feel like we didn't say anything that mattered <laughs> in the last two hours or whatever, somebody always gets something from it. Good. Bunch of weirdos, right? I think they're just a bunch of curious people like trying to relate to other people. Your struggle to connect is creating connections yeah. that you don't even know between <laughs> whom. But <laughs> whether or not you are you know, recording a conversation, it's, it's a treat to talk to you. Thank you, Brian. You're very welcome. <laughs>